afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? Welcome to Sons of Saturday. I'm Tyler. He's Luke. And the time has finally come for us to talk about the Stanford game. Uh, the Stanford Cardinal had not beaten an FBS opponent in over a calendar year, but they went into Notre Dame Stadium this past Saturday as 16.5-point underdogs in one outright uh, by a final score of 16-14. to 14. For Notre Dame, that was one of the most embarrassing losses of the past five years. Uh, just over four weeks removed from suffering the most embarrassing loss to Marshall in the home opener. Uh, if you guys are feeling friendly, like and subscribe to this video below if you're watching on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, please do it now while you're still in somewhat of a good mood and before you have to remember what happened on Saturday. Uh, sorry for the delay in getting this out again. I, we mentioned this last week. I'm traveling. Luke's traveling. We tried to find a time to get this done, and here we are on Tuesday morning recording, and we can't run from it anymore, Luke. Uh, we've got to talk about this game. I guess we do. Uh, may as well just get it over with. <laughs> exactly. So uh, it's been a couple of days removed. Uh, neither of us were in a particularly good place on Sunday. Um, how are you feeling now? Now? Um, I don't really know how to articulate that. I, I, was, I wasn't just upset on Saturday. I was legitimately angry. It was the, the angriest I've been in, in quite some time. And, and frankly... I'm pretty impressed with myself for how I restrained myself leaving that stadium because I was about as pissed as I've been in years. Um, (laughs) And I think for good reason. And now it's just kind of a matter of what do I look forward to? Um, Because despite what I said last weekend or last week on the pod about how, you know, there's some things to make out of this season. I don't know how I feel about that that anymore. Um, At least you got the the Guardians going in, in game five today. Yeah, right now, we're recording on Tuesday morning. The Guardian season could come to an end here in a few hours. It has been a nice distraction overall from the pain that is Notre Dame football. But should we, are we going to have to find a hobby or something? I think you tweeted it. You get any good responses about what, what other things we should be doing to maybe distract ourselves from this pain and suffering that Notre Dame football has brought into our lives as of late? No, no real good responses. I got a couple joke ones asking me or suggesting I should watch Northwestern. Um, and I think some other ones. Um, I had a really rough football weekend. I mean, I went to the Bears game on Thursday, which was actually somehow worse than that game, which is hard to believe, but it was. Um, so I, I'm not really too fond of football right now, to be honest. Maybe basketball. We got Mike Bray back with his sixth-year seniors for one last year. Um, but other than that, there's there's really not a whole lot. Yeah, actually, speaking of basketball, I think DraftKings has, uh, has a new read for us. They do. Uh, NBA fans, the, the wait's over. 
Thank God. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost up their winnings to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is, is where I go to bet on the NBA. I mean, we actually, I guess this is promising. Your, your Cavs made um, an interesting move this this offseason, getting Donovan Mitchell. What, what do you think about their over, over-under win total, which, as I look at it right now, is 47.5? It's high. Um, it, it, I don't really know. That's a tricky over bet, but I would say take the over just because um, last season they came pretty close, and now they add Donovan Mitchell. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's one good thing for us. We have uh, uh, NBA basketball. How are you feeling about the Bulls? I think their win total is forty three and a half. Excuse me, forty two yeah, and a half. Forty two and a half. You know, they kind of seem like a team that maybe everybody forgot about a little bit. Um, and granted, some of that is is warranted because of how they finished last season. But we'll see. We'll see if Lonzo Ball ever plays again. I, I think they'll still be very competitive. You know, I actually went to a. Uh, a preseason game a couple weeks ago saw Zion's first game back, but the one of the Bulls' big additions was Andre Drummond, and he uh, received two technicals in a preseason game and was ejected from a preseason <laughs> game. So we'll see if that fire continues throughout the season. All right, well, you could download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code SOS, and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code SOS minimum age and eligibility minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing active wear with Roback. For those who crave activity, use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. All right, well, you were there on Saturday. Um, what was it? What was that like? Yeah, that was a weird day, huh? Um, we questioned why it was a night game, and it was a really long day. There were some highlights before the game. It's a beautiful day in South Bend. Um, I actually saw Ed Orgeron walk through the tailgate lots and shook his hand at one point, so that was a weird little, I don't know, twist to that day. <laughs> yeah, did, I, he, I did he talk lots. to people? Like, was he hanging out? I mean, he was just walking through, shaking hands. I don't really know what he was doing. He had some 30-year-old blonde woman with him, so that checks out. But um, the tailgate lots I thought were pretty good. I can't say the same about the stadium. It felt absolutely dead in there, especially when you compare it to what it was like in Vegas the week before. Um, Perhaps a good metaphor for this. There was a guy a couple rows in front of me. Um, He was with his buddy. I don't know what they were on, but they were on the moon. And uh, the one guy was was vaping, at which point I thought they were going to kick him out, but they just took his vape away. 
And then he kind of just had a, had a little bit of an episode where his head was down for the rest of the first half. And this was after he'd been yelling on every play. And I didn't really know what was going on. I, I briefly walked away from my seats at halftime. And then I came back and uh, they were cleaning up vomit from the section from that guy. So pretty good summary of that night. Um, just a disgusting performance and a really dead stadium. It's not a great place to play. Uh, let's be honest, all three games this year have been pretty dead, which is disappointing, and I can't totally blame the fans because Notre Dame hasn't given us a lot to cheer for in their three home games, but uh, it was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I want to get into the specifics of this Notre Dame home cam- home campaign so far this season and why this team has struggled so much at home, which is something we're certainly not accustomed to. Over the past five years, I think what Notre Dame had won twenty six straight home games before they lost to Cincinnati, so mm, something like that. It, it's really weird to see Notre Dame struggle this much, especially considering how much better they've played on the road. We'll try to make sense of it, but first, I want to put you on the spot here. You've been to a lot of games in Notre Dame Stadium, so have I. Where does that rank amongst the worst games you've seen in that crowd? It's pretty up there, uh, especially the first half. That was one of the worst halves. That's probably up there with Navy in 2009, I want to say. Weiss is last year, I'm pretty sure. And then, honestly, the Cincinnati game last year. But the difference is this was such a poor opponent that it might catapult it past both of those. Um, And it honestly felt worse than Marshall in some sense just because I thought we had turned a corner and that was just – a fluke. It turns out it wasn't. Um, and I go back to my point about how reactionary everything is in this sport. I mean, think about how different the tone is now again. And, and for good reason, right? But yeah. I guess maybe that's why we were a little bit more cautious about what we thought about Drew Pine. <laughs> that he clearly came back down to earth, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's right up there with one of the worst ones I've ever seen. I was thinking for me, the the worst all time is always going to be 2009 UConn just because of Mm-hmm. The the vibe and it was everyone knew we we're basically watching a funeral happen with Charlie Weiss. Another really bad one was that 2014 Northwestern game because it was so cold and losing to Northwestern mm-hmm. sucked. These are just a few off the top of my head. Toledo was pretty bad, but yeah, I I guess I picked a good year to not go to any of these games. It's been a really rough rough stretch, and I'm just. It's been, you know, people have thrown out reasons or, or, you know, we're all speculating, guessing here. Why do you think this team has struggled so much at home? Because there is a stark contrast, stark contrast from what they look like away from home and what they show in Notre Dame Stadium. It's a good question. I wish I had the answer. I'm sure Marcus Freeman does too. Um, But I don't know. They just have not looked inspired at home at all. They can't tackle. They can't make passes. Uh, they can't catch the ball. It's it's a lot of really bad stuff, and I don't know what what is accounting for all of that. Yeah, those are typically things you have to do. Yes, to be yes. a successful football team. Um, all right, where do we even, where do we even start here? There's so many things that went bad. Um, all right, let's talk about the offense because that was that was inexplicable uh, going into this game. Stanford was giving up 38 and a half points per game. They held Notre Dame to 14. They were giving up seven yards per play. Notre Dame had 4.9 yards per play. Um, the first half was one of the most pathetic offensive performances I've ever seen. Tommy Reese is once again just 
under a ton of fire. I, I I actually get it to to a degree because whenever you put an offensive performance out there that's just that bad, um, Pine was horrible. He uh, his stat line was terrible. Thirteen twenty seven. 151 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble lost, and it somehow it feels worse. The receivers can't catch. I thought the line was actually pretty good for the most part. Um, what do you make of the offense at where we are at this point and just on Saturday? I mean, I think the way to frame it where there's enough blame on everyone is I know Freeman said execution a million times in his presser. Um, and we did miss on clearly some play calls that were there. Um, there are two touchdowns that come to mind, one to Tobias Merriweather, one to uh, Braden Lindsey. Also the Michael Mayer play where Chris Tyree just lines up wrong, gets the tight end covered up, gets a touchdown wiped off the board. At the same time, like that's got to be on the coaching staff to have those guys ready to play or, or develop them so where they're in a position to execute. So it's really – it's on everyone at that point, and I don't understand how that happens. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, and maybe this is, and this is partially on the offense, but like there's just so many guys on this team who have been on really good teams. And yes, I know Drew Pine hasn't played that much, um, and they have some young backs, but just where is the winning DNA? Like what what happened? I don't understand how there's just such a fall from what they were last year. Um, I mean, even Stanford last year, they absolutely hammered them 45 to 10. Yes. I know Kyron Williams and Jack Cohn were on that team and Kevin Austin, but like guys that played on Saturday night had roles in that game last year. And I I'm just shocked that that's what they put out there on Saturday night. Yeah. You, you raise a good point and it's, it's something that doesn't make a ton of sense. The only thing I, I could try to possibly, you know, make sense in this deal is that, it's not necessarily the winning DNA. Maybe it's just a a lack of awareness or a lack of acceptance of, of where this team is at and what is required. What is required to win week in and week out? Because we're talking about this already. Like the games that Notre Dame has shown up for: Ohio State, BYU, North Carolina. The three biggest games uh, in terms of the opponent. Notre Dame showed up ready to play. Um, and even though they didn't win against Ohio State, they put on three overall pretty impressive performances. And then it's against the teams who they come in as, as where Notre Dame comes in as huge favorites, and they just completely lay an egg. And maybe that's a situation where this, the guys on this team think that, oh, well, they've been a part of these good teams in the past. They're just better than them. They're going to play these teams. They're going to run all over them, which, as we've seen, is not the case at all. I mean, dude, Cal lost to Colorado this past Saturday. So that that win, yeah. like Colorado is one of legitimately the worst teams in college football. Power five, group of five, it doesn't matter. That is a dumpster fire, and they lost, Cal lost them. And Notre Dame did not look good against them. So I think it's it's not as much as like, where is the winning DNA? Maybe this team is just, they have no, like they have no real understanding of where they're at, what is required to win week in and week out, and they just think that they can get by without preparing in the way they need to. That, that very well could be. Um, you also see BYU lets up 52 to Arkansas this past week. That's not great either. They're one of the worst pass defenses in the FBS, which maybe helps to explain why Drew Pine looked so good against them. But 
yeah, I don't know if they're just taking it for granted or what, but whatever it is, it's getting old. Um, and I just, you really have no idea what to expect from this team on a week to week basis, which is why that whole being so reactionary thing really doesn't work. Other than that, if you're that inconsistent, you're just not very good. And that's, that's all I can have. That's, that's the only takeaway. You're just not very good. That's all I got. I, I don't think this team is very good. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, but like we can't even make excuses and be like, oh, well, they're just inconsistent. No, you just stink. I'm sorry. Yeah. You stink. Yeah. We were saying before this, they're like, Stanford stinks. Well, Notre Dame stinks too. But they shouldn't. You know what I mean? Like you mentioned it. A lot of mm-hmm. these guys were on the team last year. Uh, you look at the recruiting there rate. Are, there are so many guys on this team who have – not so many, but there are a decent amount of guys on this team who have been in two college football playoffs and an ACC championship game. Where what happened? I just I I don't understand. I don't know, and and this is where I think the coaching aspect um, or the lack of experience of the head coach, and then all the deficiencies of Tommy Reese and Al Golden, like it's all coming to light right now. We're seeing it on full display. The fact that this team, like Notre Dame, for all of their faults is a more talented team than Stanford by far, even with Drew Pine, even with all the guys they have out there. Notre Dame should have won this game because they're the more talented team. And when the more talented team doesn't show up and they get um, you know, moved off the line, they're not making plays. I mean, Lorenzo Styles is a, a highly talented recruit. He can't catch right now. I, I have no idea what happened to him and his regression from his freshman season, especially what we saw at the end of that till now. And yeah, Drew Pine's a backup. I, I get that. But He's missing layups. I mean, Lindsey was so wide open. We give Lindsey a hard time a lot. He actually had a good game, and he ran a perfect route there, put himself in a position where even if it was a bad throw, he he had so much space that he could have adjusted the ball on the fly and made the play. Pine overthrows him by like 15 yards, and it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I understand that there's... Um, a lot of gripes about Reese again, and, and people are calling for his head. And, and look, I understand you're upset. You're not going to get, uh, you're not going to hear Luke and I say that Tommy Reese, Tommy Reese needs to be fired. I still don't think that's the case. But I also understand why you'd be irate at the offensive performance, and some of that falls on Reese. And I think the the bigger concern there is not the play calling. I don't think it's as simple as that. It's just more of a question of how did we, how did we get to this point with this group. How is it that Drew Pine is the starting quarterback and playing like this? How is it that we have so few receivers who can, and, and none who can just go out there and make a play? So from that aspect, I it's really concerning. I don't see a, a, a short-term fix to any of these problems, really. Um, but just going forward, in the offense especially, like I don't even know... I don't know where they go from here or what we can get excited about going forward. Yeah, I just have no idea what they're going to look like. Um, and, okay, sure, Tobias Merriweather had two snaps where one should have been a touchdown, one was a touchdown. I think he played 10 snaps total, so maybe you see more of him moving forward. I don't know that I trust Drew Pine to get him the ball when he is open. I mean, he did miss him on the one. Uh, and I, I think just, like, not even what – can I get excited about it? It's like, what am I going to see on a week-to-week basis? That's what I'm just so unsure of because it has been so all over the place. And yeah, I, I don't think that you need to make wide-scale changes right now, but 
let's face it, if this continues, they're going to have to shake up the coaching staff majorly, and, and not just at the offensive coordinator level, at at different um, positions. I mean, that you just can't do that, again, if, if this is what the result is going to be. And I don't care that it's Marcus Freeman's first year. Like, that just... That can't happen. Um, he inherited a pretty strong situation, and I know you'll hear people say that that's not the case. Regardless of what you think, the six teams they've played so far, they only should have lost to one of them, regardless of how poor or, or strong you think this roster is, and, and that's just not what has occurred. Right. You could say that, all right, the the situation that they inherited, like Notre Dame is pretty weak at the skill positions. You know, They don't have a ton of depth. They are running with a bag of quarterback. All that being said, this this team should be five and one. Now, mm-hmm. if they were five and one, we'd probably have the completely wrong idea of this team, and we'd be thinking, is this team competing for the college football playoff despite the fact that the team really isn't that good? And maybe part of that is uh was like last year, that eleven one season, maybe part of that was fool's gold. We thought that they were better, but you and I were talking about this offline. Like, imagine how different this team would be with Jack Hunt. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like it doesn't take a ton to think that this team could be a lot better. Or at least the win loss record could be a lot different. Um, but this is what they are right now. Notre Dame is a three and three football team. Marcus Freeman is three and four as the head coach of Notre Dame. So uh, big picture, like are you are you concerned about Marcus Freeman or in, in like the future of this program? Like where are you at with that? Is it this just this year is one of those years like 2016 was? Uh, we're just going to be a really down year. 2014-2 comes to mind. Um, is this just a one-off, or do you think that this is a, a problem that could last a little bit longer than we, we might hope? I really don't know. Um, I don't know if concerned is the word, but just unsure maybe, just because some of these things just don't really seem like they're going to resolve themselves anytime soon, namely the quarterback position. Now, who knows? if Tyler Buckner comes back healthy, what he actually looks like in a full season of work, if that ever happens. Like the receiver position, I know they have a good class committed right now, but it just feels like it's something that's not going to fix itself overnight. And and next year the schedule doesn't get any easier. So that's where I get a little uneasy. Um, But I don't want to make any sweeping generalizations. I just don't really know is is the best way I could put it. (laughs) Yeah. And you mentioned the freshman receivers. It's not like Notre Dame is known for getting their freshman wide receivers in on the action early. So I can't imagine they're going to make a huge impact, at least right away, once they get on campus. But I guess we'll see. Um, We've talked a lot about the offense. I don't really know what to make of the defense uh, and their performance on Saturday because, yeah, like they held Stanford to only 16 points. In theory, that should be enough to win. But it seemed like whenever Stanford needed to make a, a first down or make a big play on offense, they did it. Um, uh, for example, that third down conversion, that wide receiver on Sanford, I, I'm forgetting his name right at the moment. He made a play over Ben Morrison. Morrison honestly made, he had great coverage on the play, but it didn't matter. Uh, Sanford just made the plays when they needed to. And like Notre Dame seems like they're good on defense, but they don't, there's never a point in the game where I'm like, all right, you know, player X is going to come up big here. Like, Yes, they're reeling. They're going to make a play here. I have confidence that they're going to get a sack. They're going to get a turnover. They're going to stop the bleeding. That has not happened one time all season. So, I don't know. What do you make of it from Saturday? They can't make any plays. I mean, it's ridiculous. They have two turnovers through six games. I don't know how that's possible. It's, it's yeah. It almost defies 
the, the well, they should have had physics. three. That that actually, but that brings up another point: is how lucky did Stanford get the running back who everybody is saying had a great game? He fumbled three times and he recovered all of them. That when when has that happened? And like, not that Notre Dame actually did anything to force those fumbles, really. Yeah. But he fumbled three times and picked up all of them. Like that's just unbelievable bad fortune, um, or good fortune in Stanford's case. But they, I think they had one tipped pass. One sack, like what are they doing? Uh, the only guys that I felt like were kind of doing anything out there were Nana, Safamensa, and Riley Mills. Everybody else was just kind of there. They they can't tackle at all. They're not a very good team. I, I don't care that they only let up sixteen points. If you watch that game, you don't come away impressed with them. Which is so weird too, because for the last few years, Notre Dame has had playmakers on defense that always came up big, especially their D line. I mean. Isaiah Foskey just goes missing. Like, I forget he's on the field sometimes. Well, he's not on the field Yeah, that's it feels yeah. like, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's hurt or, or what the deal is there, but the guys who you would have expected to make plays, I mean, Brandon Joseph keeps talking about how this was going to be his only year at Notre Dame no matter what, and he's going to the NFL draft. Does he look like an NFL safety to you? No chance. Yeah. So, <laughs> no chance. So who's out there that you can count on to come up big when you need it Personally, I don't see anyone. Now, it wasn't all bad. You mentioned Riley Mills, not out of Suffermans. I thought J.D. Bertrand had a good game, too. Good for him having a bounce-back game, which isn't all that surprising, though, because Stanford's offense and what they run is sort of perfectly suited to his game and what he does well at linebacker. Um, Another thing, too, is all of a sudden, Notre Dame defensively is in a world of hurt with injuries. I mean, who would have thought that uh, not having Tariq Bracey for a game is, is going to be the difference in a game against Stanford because he was out with a hamstring injury. I know he's a game-time decision. I think that they went into it thinking, we're not going to need him because it's Stanford, and then probably realized during the game, oh, wow, we actually do really need him. Uh, Jaden Mickey's got an ab, I don't know, what is it? <laughs> an ab something. I don't remember. Uh, Howard Cross is still dealing with an ankle injury. Like, Jacob Lacey is gone from the team I mean Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison played every snap (laughs) yeah Uh, and Chris Smith you have a Harvard transfer playing 63 snaps how are we in that position it's cool to have a Harvard transfer a punter not as our starting he made the uh, rig guy eight wit list this week I saw so he's got that okay well that that's true I think we might we might have John Sott he might be the lone bright spot of the team he might win team MVP uh, at the Echoes. Well, I guess they might not even do that this year. Do they still do the team banquet called the I, Echoes? I, I don't think they did it last year. Okay. All right. Well, then he might not win team MVP. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think for the defense, they did. There were some tough penalties. The refs, I thought, were terrible in this game. Uh, they just refused to call pass interference both ways. I mean, that one third down, or I think, or no, with Jack Kaiser in the flat, he literally yanked the Stanford receiver down. They didn't call it, but that's not to say that they, they didn't miss a ton of calls against NRM too, because Lorenzo Styles, uh, he was held on that play where they threw it up to the end zone to him. Mayer was every third down. Yeah. Mayer was constantly getting, uh, held as well. Now credit to Stanford because they threw some interesting looks. They knew how predictable this Notre Dame offense was. And they are like, Oh, third and long. I wonder who they're going to go to here. 87. So they doubled them. Hell, they even tripled them sometimes. Um, I, the, the, the fumble that JD Bertrand forced, like, I cannot believe that they overturned it. I was watching the game. 
uh, I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan this weekend, and uh, I was at a, a bar watching the game, and I didn't have audio on it. So I see the fumble. I can't hear any of the discussion that's going on on the TV, but I just know that they, the call on the field was a fumble, and I was just like, oh. I, I stopped paying attention because it was like, all right, well, that's – at the very least, you're just going to say play stands, Notre Dame ball. And then I, I look back up, and Stanford's offense on the field, and I'm thinking, what the hell happened? How did they overturn it? The defensive they holding on Chris it. Smith. They could yeah. have overturned it the other way if it had been called knockdown. I felt like, honestly, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. So as bad as the officiating was, and, and don't get me wrong, it was bad. Uh, I hesitate to just place the blame or place the loss on the officials because Notre Dame should never have been in that position to right. begin with. You should right. not be in a position where a couple calls don't go your way against Sanford, and that's the reason you lose the game. I'm sorry. Whether that's the case or not. Exactly, and unfortunately, that was the position they were in. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm not even that upset about it because, as you said, <laughs> I don't know how we got to that point. All right, so looking ahead, Notre Dame's three and three. I think they beat UNLV. <laughs> like, Maybe I think they should dominate them. I'm, I know it's difficult to make any sort of projections uh, about how the season is going to go, but like, if you had to guess. Where do you see Notre Dame going from here? I don't think it's crazy to think that they would beat Syracuse either is the thing. Like, I really do. They're a better team than Syracuse on paper. Now, what that actually happens, and also it's a game that they should get up for in theory, so maybe they will. I don't really know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, there should be, and I use this lightly, three wins, right, in UNLV, Navy, in Boston College, at a minimum, should be. I, I don't know. Like you hope they get to bowl eligibility, which is insane that we're even having this conversation. But that's kind of where it's at right now. Yeah, all of a sudden that Boston College game is like really worrying to me. Because are, are they going to show up? They could be ten point favorites and not show up. Yeah. Well, to be honest, who knows what's going to happen before that? That. We might not even be worried by that point because we have come just resigned from, from <laughs> this season. I guess it's not too far out of the realm of yeah. possibility. But you're right. Like you, Based on what we've seen so far from the season, Notre Dame will probably come out sluggish against UNLV. Hopefully they win. And then they'll probably show up ready to go on the road against Syracuse and win because that's what they've done. Clemson, they'll probably get up, but this team is just not good enough to beat Clemson. They're just not. Um, they don't. They don't have the guys to make plays. And then, yeah, Navy, Boston College, those games. I, I Notre Dame is clearly more talented than them. Will they show up for it? Will they make a play? Because you know who will show up for it is Phil Dracovich. And as much as you and I don't like him and don't think he's all that great, uh, Notre Dame just lost to Tanner McKee in a team with like no skill players, no talented skill players, really. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I still think 7-5 is in the cards. I can't really believe we're, we're at that point. But that's just sort of where Notre Dame is right now. And uh, I don't know. Do you, do you see it getting much worse? or uh, like what If you had to go right now and say, this is my final record prediction, Notre Dame, what do you think it would be? I think I said 6-6 six and six after the game. But... I do think they could beat Syracuse. I I just don't know. I really want to refrain from making any predictions because I haven't been right about a single thing. So. <laughs> I don't think anyone has. 
Find me the person who's been right about this Notre Dame team from the beginning, and I'll call you a liar because I don't think anyone saw it coming. Saw it just turning out this badly. Uh, did you see the recent bowl projection for Notre Dame? So I think was it ESPN or the Athletic? The Athletic. The Athletic said uh, their most recent bowl projections. They have Notre Dame facing Iowa in the Duke's Mayo Classic Bowl. Would you even watch? Uh, what would there be to watch? <laughs> the two most anemic offenses in college football du- dueling it out for the Duke's Mayo Bowl? You're forgetting about Wisconsin, but... That's true. I actually, this weekend, uh, I have to lift my boycott. I have boycotted Iowa after watching that Michigan-Iowa game, and then I said they are, they're on the banned list for me. Now, this Saturday, well, this weekend, I'm going to Columbus uh, for the Ohio State-Iowa game. So I, I'm going to have to be forced to watch them in person. If I have to do that twice, if, yeah. if I have to watch another Iowa game, they're horrible. Yeah, I, I don't know how you, how you do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what sucks, too, about this season, as bad as it is for Notre Dame, is like Michigan is good. Our rivals are all good. This is just horrible, man. Yeah, um, I don't know. Hopefully they get blown out by Ohio State, but yeah. (laughs) All right, well, we spent 30 minutes on this game. Hopefully we can just put this one behind us. You got any more final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I just, I can't do that again. (laughs) Uh, I will not be attending the UNLV game, and I, I will venture to guess that that will be the least attended home game in the last, since the Tulsa game, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's fall break for the students. I wonder how many are going to come back. Plus, it's going to be plus. It might be the least viewed game in Notre Dame history if you combine how many people are going to be there and the fact that the game is going to be on Peacock. I mean, this the all the interest level in this game is going to be at an all time low. Uh, but that's where Notre Dame football is at, and that will do it for this episode of Sons of Saturday. Thank you guys for listening. Like and subscribe. Uh, you know, follow us if you want to suffer through this season with us along the way because we're going to be here every week despite how painful this Notre Dame football season has become so we'll leave it at that uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon thanks for listening